Well, uh, what, a, what a joy to be here. And uh, my wife and I, and for those who have not met my wife, she's here, Miss Christelle. And uh, will you stand, please? Okay, that's my beautiful wife. So if you thought I'm, you know, I don't look so good, at least, <laughs> at least I know how to make good choices. Okay, yes. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and, and I want to thank Pastor for allowing us to come. And, uh, and uh, we are ascending church. We are church planning missionaries on our way to Germany. Our, stand, our standing church is the Oakwood Baptist Church in Flowery Branch, Georgia. And uh, I already had somebody this morning wondering about my accent. And uh, sometimes, you know, when we go to church, we are on deputation, and people ask us and say, uh, uh, where are you from? I say, well, I'm from Georgia. They said, no, there's something, there's something about your accent. That doesn't, that doesn't sound southern. And uh, I say, well, uh, this is the most southern accent you ever hear. I'm more south than Georgia. So, uh, so I was born and raised in Cameroon, Africa. And it's truly more southern than Georgia, isn't it? So, uh, so I do have a southern accent. You just didn't know about it. So we, we're delighted to be here and, uh, and just spending time with you. I, I've, we've enjoyed the hopper, and I thank them for allowing us to stay in our home. And uh, we're very, very, I mean, we just feel at home with them, and, and we're excited to be here. And, uh, and, and I'm excited for Veteran Day, and I want to thank the veteran once again for their service for this country. And I know that uh, we had a veteran, we have many veterans in our church, but one of them is uh, Brother Kilgore, Brother Mike Kilgore. And uh, one day he was just sharing, you know, what he, his thoughts about, you know, the, 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 the armed force and so forth. And he said something. He said that when somebody enlists in the, uh, in the armed force, he's actually laying down his life for his country because he doesn't know if he'll come back. And, and I thought it was just a great picture about the sacrifice that they give for, uh, for this country. So if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2. Um, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. If you will please stand for the reading of the word of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. And the scripture says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, I think I'm not on, am I? No, okay, let me make sure. Yes, sir. All right, is it better? Can you hear me? All right, okay. All right, start all, all over again. Okay, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, for we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the of, suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, by, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And uh, as, I, as I was told that I was going to preach this morning and, and on Veteran Day, and my mind just, you know, kept going throughout the Bible. And, and I, I, had, I had many sermons prepared already, but 
I felt like I needed to preach something, you know, that is related to Veteran Day. And, and I just, you know, this verse, this portion of scripture just came back to my mind, the captain of our salvation. And, and, and obviously this is also a military term. And so this morning I want to preach about the captain of our salvation. Now, in Veterans Day, uh, obviously, we, we honor mili military veterans. Uh, that is, those who serve in the United States Armed Force. And so this morning, I'd like to uh, introduce to you another veteran and, uh, who fought the most important battle that we ever faced, and his name is Jesus. And so I want to speak about Jesus being the captain of our salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the Word of God. And I just thank you for the music we've heard and uh, also the fellowship, Father, for the with the church people, the fellow missionaries. And I thank you for the privilege of standing here and preaching the word of God. I just pray that somehow you will speak through me and that you will give something to every person here this morning. I pray that we will leave this room uh, knowing that God has spoken to us. And please help us at this hour. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, when you, think, when you think about Jesus and, and you read the scriptures, um, it's easy to realize that there cannot be a human word, you know, one human word to describe him. Uh, you know, the human language doesn't have uh, the vocabulary to, to just to describe in one word who he is. And as we read the scriptures, we see different names for our Savior. And I believe one of the reasons is, is that God is trying to give us a different perspective of who Jesus is because he is so big. You know, he's so immense, there's, there's just not one word God can use. And so he gives us different words in describing Christ so that we might know him in all his relationships with us. And, uh, for example, I see in the Bible that Jesus, uh, you know, I thought about, you know, when you go and look at a mountain and, and you stand before a huge mountain, maybe Grand Canyon, and you're, you're there in the valley. And, uh, you know, from every side you see, you see something different about the mountain. And so it's the same with our Savior. On one side, on the one side, he is the bread of life. And on the other side, he is the light of the world. On one side, he's the lamb of God. But on the other side, he's also the high priest that offered the lamb. On the one side, he's the son of God. But on the other side, he is the son of man. On the one side, he's the king of the Jews. But on the other side, he's the king of kings. On the one side, he's the prince of peace. But on the other side, he's also the judge of all men. On one side, he's, he's the brightness of, glory, of the God's glory, and the scripture says he's the express image of his person. On one side, he's the son of God, but on the other side, he's the everlasting father. Now, the Holy Spirit now gives us a fresh view here in this text of who Christ is, and it gives us this view that he's also the captain of our salvation. I thought about those songs that we love to sing, so even the, one of the songs we sang this morning uh, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. See, it speaks about soldiers. This is warfare. He's the captain of our salvation. I thought about another song, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching Us to War. And, and this is a song that sings, sings about soldiers, about war, and, uh, because Jesus is our captain. Now, the word captain is used many times in the Bible, and it's translated prince in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, where where Peter preached and speaks about Jesus being the prince of life, is the same word that is translated captain here. And the word captain also in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 is, is used uh, um, and translated being an, uh, the outer, looking unto Jesus, the outer 
the author and finisher of our faith. So Christ is the captain of our salvation because he is the author of salvation. Uh, he's, uh, he's, but he al- he's also the captain because he's the prince and the commander of the saved. He's our captain. So every son of God is committed to his charge. He's, uh, they are, we are all under his care as believers, and he's the guide and the leader of the church. Now, obviously, you know that the word, uh, in, in Bible times, the prince was also the commander of the military. You know, he was the man who, who led the battles. And even in, in the United States, in this country, uh, we call the president the commander-in-chief. See, he's a captain uh, of, of the armed forces. Now, why do we have an army in the first place? Why do we need an army? And so I looked at the, at the text from the founding fathers, and, uh, and, it, and it, they wrote that one of the purposes of government is to provide for the common defense and to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. So the reason why we have an army is because the government wants to defend us. We need a common defense. Now, the reason we have an army is because enemies are real. It's not just in our minds. Enemies are real. You know, there are people all around this world that want to destroy America. You know that, right? Just remember September 11. You know, there, there are people that are actively thinking every day about how to destroy this country. And that's why we need to have a military. Now, I'd like to submit to you this morning that our most dangerous enemy is not Russia. It's not North Korea. It's not Iran. Uh, even though they are great threats to our country, I want to submit to you that our greatest enemy, the greatest enemy of mankind, is death itself. Death itself. Now, the Scriptures gives us a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 8. You don't have to turn there. But the Bible says, There is no man that hath power over the, uh, over the spirit to retain the spirit, Neither hath he power in the day of death. And here's what the scripture says. There is no discharge in this war. See, when God speaks about us facing death, he calls it, he calls it war. He said that there's no discharge. There's no one that can escape this war. Uh, we're all going to face death someday. Somebody say, put it this way. He said, you can cut all the flowers, but you cannot keep spring from coming. See, death is unavoidable. I will all face it. I thought about great military leaders, uh, you know, those that are really veneered, you know, uh, in the military. Uh, people like Alexander the Great, he was a great warrior. He, uh, I was told that his tactics that he developed many centuries ago are still used uh, in a school like West Point, even to this day. But when Alexander the Great faced death, he lost. I thought about Napoleon. You see, he was a great military leader. And same thing for him. His, some of his taxes are still being taught in the great military schools of the world. But when he faced death, he lost. I thought about George Washington. Obviously, you know, we venerate him you know, as a great leader, uh, not only as a president, you know, but also as a military leader. But when George Washington faced death, he lost. I thought about George Patton in World War II. Uh, some, some people thought he was the greatest general to fight for World War II in Europe. But when George Patton faced death in Germany, he died in Germany in a car crash. When he faced death in that war, he lost. And but there's, there's only one that won the battle against death. You know, his name is Jesus. 
You see, when Jesus faced death, he did face death like all of us, but he won. He overcame death. And, and, and it's just amazing to me when I read the scriptures that Jesus did not face death by chance. You know, it was just, he did not die accidentally. Uh, we just had a couple of weeks ago, I think most of you are aware, uh, in Cameroon where I was born, uh, a missionary, he, he traveled for three years in the United States, you know, raising money, raising support to go to Cameroon and reach the people with the gospel. And he went to Cameroon and within two weeks he was shot and he died. And, uh, but he died, it seems like he died by an accident. You know, there, there are some fires, some uh, battles going on in, an, in the northeast, in a south, um, northwest side of Cameroon. And it just seems like, you know, from a human's perspective, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And one of those, the bullets just hit him and he died. But our Savior did not die by accident. He died on purpose. And so even though we all try in our lives to escape death, he embraced death. You know, we're trying to run away from it, from it but he was running to death. Uh, the Bible says, you know, he speaks in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the west belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know, he says, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be buried. I, I'm not afraid of death. That's why I came for. He says, I came to give my life a ransom for many. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, he was teaching his disciples. The Bible says, he said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered unto the hands of men, and they shall kill he says, I'm going to be killed. I'm not afraid to die. I came to die. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. So what he was saying is that I'm going to face death in this battle that every man faces. I'm going to face death, but I'm going to overcome death. I'm going to die, be buried, but I'm going to rise again. In Luke chapter 24, uh, three days after his burial, the, the ladies came and the Bible said, uh, tells us that now upon the, the third day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared with, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. You know, when the ladies came with the spices, they, they were coming to embalm his body on the church. But when they came there, he was not there. He, he was not there. They found not his body. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men, those are angels, stood out by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? See, Jesus is alive. You know, he faced death, but he overcame death. And there's no other man that ever lived that did that. You know, Muhammad. He may, some people may, have think, may, may think he wrote, you know, interesting uh, text about how to live. But when Muhammad faced death, he lost. You know, you can think about Buddha. And all great uh, religious leaders, uh, they might have, they may write books and make beautiful sermons. But when the day came where they faced death, they all lost. But Jesus overcame death. He says he's not here. But he is risen. And then here's what the, the angels told, told the, the women. They said, remember how he spake unto you when he was in Galilee. What he was telling them is that this is why he came. This was not an accident. He told you that he was going to die. He told you he was going to be buried. And he told you that he will rise from the dead. He faced death on purpose. And he overcame death. 
The songwriter puts it this way. He says, Christ the Lord is risen today. Sons of men and angels say, Rise, raise your joys and triumph high. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Now, no wonder he's called the captain of our salvation. In Romans chapter 6, verse 9, this is a verse that celebrates Christ's victory on the cross for us. Uh, his victory over death. Uh, it's almost like a tribute to the Lord Jesus. He says, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Praise God. <laughs> we know someone that overcame death. We know someone, we, I mean, everybody tried to run away from death, but it's, there's one that has overcome death. And it, and it gives us hope. We, we, we sang this morning, we had this song, uh, my anchor holds. You know, that's what we need. You know, this is not about what, uh, you know, when we talk about salvation, about Christ, this is not about what restaurant to go to. It's not about, you know, what career I should go. It's about our souls. And we need an anchor that holds. It has to work. It has to work. And uh, the Bible says in that he died, he died, Christ being raised from the dead, died no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. What I'd like to give you this morning a couple of, uh, a couple of reasons. Um, what makes Jesus our captain? Why is he the captain of our salvation? I was speaking with a man actually yesterday, no, not yesterday, uh, two days ago. Uh, I believe it was two days ago, yes. We had a service here, and, and uh, you know, I had to go out uh, during the service and speak with a man about Christ, about his soul. And one of the things he said to me, was uh, there's so many religions in the world. You know, why, why do we have to believe on Jesus? What about all these people? And so this morning, the first reason why what makes, what makes the Lord Jesus our captain is that Jesus is qualified. He's qualified. Here's what, now I know this might be controversial today, Robert E. Lee, <laughs> the great general, you know, but he was a great, he, he's, he's known as one of the greatest military leaders uh, that ever was on this earth uh, in general. He was just a great military leader. And here's what he said. He said, I cannot trust a man to control others who cannot control himself. He was speaking about leadership. And he said, I cannot trust a man. I cannot trust someone to be a captain or to be a surgeon. A man in I cannot put a man in leadership if he cannot control himself. Well, I cannot trust a man who is a sinner to save me. He's in the same, he's in the same trouble. He's in the same trouble. And so if he cannot overcome sin in his life, how is he able to save me? He cannot. What we need, we need someone who has no sin. We need someone who is sinless. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 4, sin, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. The Bible says he's the lamb without blemish. He's unspotted. He's perfect. He never sinned. And so that makes him qualified to be a captain because we needed a sinless substitute to die for our sins. Why Jesus as our captain, the captain of our salvation, number one, because he's qualified. He's without sin. Secondly, why Jesus, why Jesus as our captain? Because he's authorized. He has authority from heaven. You see, uh, in the military, for example, uh, I, I just read this the other day that original appointments in the grades of major, uh, major, major 
uh, lieutenant colonel, colonel in the Army, the Air Force, and, and, and in the Marine Corps, uh, the grace of lieutenant commander, commander, and captain in the regular Navy, they, are, they can only be made by the President of the United States. You see, he, he, all, he alone has the authority to appoint a colonel. You, you cannot decide, you cannot be in the Air Force and decide on your own term to raise your ranks. You can't do that. It doesn't work. You have to have authority. And so our Lord had authority from heaven. That's what makes him our captain because God chose him. In fact, this is what the word Messiah means. I remember in Germany, uh, I went, uh, one day I went to a park and, and actually I was going there just to read the Bible a little bit and pray. And, and I met an, old, an older gentleman. He was, um, he, was, he, was a, he was a little bit, I think he was in a nursing home not far away. But anyway, he was sitting there. And I felt God leading me to, to, to speak with him about his soul. And, I, and so I began to share the gospel with him. And, and we spoke, he was, he was raised Lutheran, but he was not saved. And so I explained to him the gospel, and, uh, and, and I led him in a sinner's prayers. And he, he bowed his head, he asked Jesus to save him. He trusted Christ as a Savior. And I can never forget, after he prayed and asked Christ to save him, uh, I, say, I, I asked him, I said, if you were to die today, Right now, where will you go? He wasn't sure at the beginning. He said, I'll go to heaven. And then he told me this. He said, this is just wonderful. He said, he's the Messiah. That's what he said. He said, he's the Messiah, the anointed one. He said, now I understand. He's the Messiah. And he was, he was so excited. I did not even use the word Messiah in my message, but I think he had heard it before, and it suddenly clicked that Jesus is the Messiah. But the word Messiah means anointed one. He's authorized. He's authorized by God to save us from our sins. Now, why Jesus as a captain? Because he's qualified. Why Jesus? Because he's authorized. He's appointed by heaven to save. And the Bible says there's no other man under heaven giving among men whereby we must be saved. There's none other. Why is Jesus as our captain? Because he has overcome our enemy. You see, we don't, we don't just, we just don't need someone when it, when, I, when, I, when, it, when we're talking about my eternal soul, I need to entrust my soul to someone who has actually overcome. I cannot gamble with my soul. I have, I have to know that it works. I have to be able to trust him. And uh, Jesus is our captain because he actually overcame our enemy. He overcame death. In Germany, when we had a French Bible study, we had a, uh, a man named Emmanuel Rami, but Mike remembers him. Um, he, he was a, he's a Frenchman. He, he, he was uh, born, raised in France. He has French nationality, but at some point he moved to Germany and worked there. And when we met him, he was already retired. He had had a, a stroke, so he was para paralyzed, you know, about half of his body. He had to, you know, pull his leg when he was working. He had to, you know, pull his leg like this all the time because this side did not function. And uh, I still recall we had a Bible study in the church, and uh, I believe it was a, it was a Tuesday night. And uh, we just had a Bible study, and uh, Emmanuel was so excited during, during the Bible study. He was just, you know, he was growing in the Lord. He was excited about the Lord. And uh, we had a Bible study. And after the Bible study, my wife used to always have a meal. So she would cook, prepare something. In fact, I believe that most people didn't come to the Bible study to hear me teach. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, after two years, I figured that one out. But anyway, so, so she always had these wonderful meals, and... Uh, so we, you know, we were putting the tables, Emmanuel was standing, I was sitting down, you know, the people were just around. 
And uh, Emmanuel said, you know, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot. Open the windows, open the windows. And, uh, you know, at first we thought, well, okay, it's just a little bit warm. And we're trying to open it. He said, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot. And he started, you know, losing his balance. And so I stood up and, uh, and I came beside him. I said, Emmanuel, what is going on? And he's just, he just collapsed in my hands. And, and, and I had him in my hands. You know, I had to sit down. And Emmanuel was in my hands. And we had to, we had to call the ER. We did not know what was going on. And the ER came, they, you know, they took him to the, um, to the hospital. He was, he was not married. Uh, he didn't have family in, in, uh, in Germany. And so we tried to figure out, you know, if he had any relatives that we could call and tell them about him. So we had his bag and the key, you know, the, the house key was in the bag. So, you know, I took that house key. I went with a, another brother from the church. We walked to his house. We opened the door. You know, we, we went through his stuff trying to find an address or some name, somebody that we can call. And it was just a sobering talk thing to just walk through his stuff. And I did not know this, but he had worked as a chemical, uh, in a chemical plant. He was trained in chemistry. And you could go to his room, and he had all this uh, um, display, you know, congratulations, like best uh, employee of the year, and, and things like that, you know, I mean, everywhere. And you could see his, uh, his degrees and certificates and all this thing. And I just, and, and I just realized, it just hit me suddenly. Maybe this is worthless now. I mean, all the things he accumulated in his life. And um, we went to the hospital. Actually, I went with, with Brother Mike. We went to the hospital to see Emmanuel. And he, he had basically, um, one of the nurses, I think, opened up, and he had blood, you know, inside the head. And uh, they, they told us that they, they are not sure if Emmanuel will come back again. And, and we prayed there. We did not know if he was hitting us or not. Uh, but we prayed there at the hospital with him. And when we, we left the hospital, and uh, I believe a day or two, maybe two days afterwards, uh, Emmanuel was gone. He was gone. So the last words, when he said, I'm, I'm warm, I'm hot, you know, that was that way, this way, his last words. And I, I believe the, one of the most tragic things about death is just being separated from those we love. But well, I'll see him again. I'll see him again. You see, Emmanuel had trusted Christ. He had received Christ as a savior. And so though I was separated from him that day, I have a hope. And my hope is I'm going to see Emmanuel again. I'm going to see him again. And it's only possible because of Christ. Because he has overcome death. And he has given, he has given us hope. So when we, when we say goodbye to people we love, we're actually not saying goodbye. The world says goodbye. But for those who love, we love and are saved, uh, we're just saying, I'll see you again. Because we'll see them again. That's what Jesus, you know, he, he's our captain because he's actually able to save. He overcame death. The Bible says in First Thessalonians 4, verse 13, But I will not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. We shall be raised. Death is not final for the Christian. The songwriter says, Lives again our glorious king, where, O oh, death, is now that sting. Dying once, he all doth say, Where is thy victory, O oh, grave? Love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle's won. Death in veins forbids him rise, Christ has opened paradise. In that, upon the cross, he said to one, to the thief, on, on, on his side, the thief said, uh, remember me when you come in that kingdom. 
And the Lord turned to him. He said, this night, that shall be with Amen. me in paradise. Amen. You see, he knew what he was talking about. He has overcome death. He knew he would face death. He knew he would conquer death. And so we have a hope. So why is Christ our captain? Because he's qualified. Why is Christ our captain? Because he's authorized. Why is the Lord Jesus our captain? Because he has overcome our enemy. He has overcome death. Now, I'd like to submit to you uh, two results in our lives for Jesus being our captains. What effects will it have on our lives? First of all, if Jesus is my captain, that means that he guides me. Right. See, that's what, that's what uh, I, was, I, was, I was speaking with, uh, talking with Brother Jeff yesterday about the military and about, you know, how does one rise, you know, go uh, you know, from one rank to another. You know, I've never been in an armed force, and I have great respect for those who have been in the armed force, but I was just asking him because I know he was in the Navy. And, um, <laughs> well, and, uh, well, he, he, he explained to me how those grades works, you know, uh, you know, basically the technical grades, but then the leadership grades, uh, you know, for those who are captain or colonel and so forth. And, um, and what he told me was that the, you know, some of those grades are technical grades, but some grades in the military have to do with leadership. It's just about your leadership skills. It's not so much about how much uh, technical ability you have but much more about your, capacity, your ability to lead people. And so Jesus, if, if Christ is our captain, that means he is our guide. Amen. You know, he's the one to direct us. Amen. He's the one to lead us. And so if I'm a good soldier, I'll listen to him. i follow his commands. You know, in the military, there's, there's one thing that they call the fog of war. The fog of war. Anybody here has heard about the fog of war? Uh, it's a term that applies to the experience of individual soldiers in battle. Often cited is the pure confusion of direction, uh, of location or perspective on the battlefield. So that means when, when people are on the battlefield, uh, it, happen, it happens very often that the soldier loses perspective. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where the next unit is. He doesn't know uh, which way to shoot. Uh, he, he, loses, he, he loses orientation in the battlefield. And, and the, the way the Air Force or the, the, the Armed Force remedy this is with communication. You've got to keep the communication lines open. Because when the war starts, you, don't, you, don't, you just hear the noise. And those who have been at war know that. You just hear the bullets, right? Go. You have no idea where your people are. They're here or there, north or west. And unless you have communication with the headquarters, unless your leader is able to speak with you, you'll get lost and you get shot. And so the military calls it the fog of war. And what happens when, when, when soldiers are in the fog of war is that they are confused uh, about direction, about location, and they have no perspective about the war, what is going on. I wonder how many Christians this morning are confused. You know, I wonder how many Christians this morning are confused about direction about location, am I where I'm supposed to be? Uh, what is the goal of my life? Is it what I was supposed to do? Am I supposed to serve God, uh, to serve God full time? Or am I just supposed to be a layman? 
you know, what, what should I do? Should I stay in this church go, or go to the next church? And so many Christians today are just confused. They, they don't have perspective. They've lost all perspective. Now, why is the reason? It's because they're in a fog of war. They've lost communication with a captain. Yeah, sure, yeah. You see, when you lose communication with a captain, you get lost. Right. You get confused. <laughs> you don't know what you're supposed to do. And some, sometimes people come to counseling and they ask all these questions about their lives. But the truth is, many times, the reason is you're not close to him. We're just not close to him as we ought to. When, you, when you're close to the captain, yeah. you have direction. Amen. When you're close to the captain, you know where you are. You know where you're supposed to be. When you're close to the captain, you have perspective because he's leading you. He's directing you. So if Jesus is our captain, that means we should allow him to direct us. In, in fact, we have to allow him to direct us. Secondly, if Jesus is our captain or the commander, that means he's the one that organizes believers. You see, when you're at war, the general is the one that set for the battles. He's the one that directs the battle. He's the one that organizes the troops. Maybe you've heard this word before, deployment. Have you heard that word before? Being deployed. Now, why are military people deployed? Well, because somebody higher up is organizing the troops. <laughs> He's trying to get you from here to, uh, to Japan. He's, he's taking some, some people from here uh, to Djibouti, Africa. And, and why is somebody going from this place to that place? Well, because there's somebody higher up that knows, that has the big picture. Yes, sir. <laughs> and he knows where to move the troops. He knows where the troops are needed. The soldier, the, the simple soldier has no idea. Right. He, he just gets a call. Okay, now you got to go to Japan. But, but the captain, the general knows what's going on. You know, uh, my wife and I will be on deputation for eight months, and uh, you may understand it, but maybe you may not. But sometimes we go to churches, and sometimes we drop in. That means we don't have a scheduled meetings, uh, and we just drop in at church. And uh, I've experienced many times uh, when we drop in at a church, and uh, I come into the church, I shake hands with the pastor, and uh, he says, uh, are you visitors? I say, well, uh, we are missionaries to Germany. I can see the eyes roll. <laughs> Like, Germany? I say, yes. He said, have you been there? I say, yes. And then I, I, I know what's coming next because it, come every, it comes every time it happens. Do they not need missionaries in Cameroon? Well, they do. They do. There's a great, the people are open. There's a great need of the gospel in Cameroon. But see, I'm not the captain. I'm not a captain. I don't have the right to decide where I'm being deployed. I don't have the right to decide where I'm being deployed because I don't have the big picture. But he does. And see, so it's, I have no right to question where God sends me because he's the one that orders the battle. And um, I was just moved yesterday uh, or, or two days ago about that, that quote that we had uh, shown here. Someone to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. You see, that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to run rescue shops within the yards of hell. And this is setting 
armies, if you will. We're soldiers, setting armies in Germany, stationing people in Japan, stationing people in Australia or Tasmania, actually, to be correct, setting up station in, in, in India. You see, he's the one that orders the battle because he knows where the need is. We have no right to choose where to fight. We have no right. The Bible says I'm bought with a price. Yes, you know, we belong to him. He's the captain. You see, 2,000 years ago, God deployed Paul. Paul was serving in Antioch. The Bible says he was teaching, and he was a great teacher. He was used of God in Antioch. But then the scripture says, as they were praying and fasting, the Holy Ghost said, set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work to which I've called them to do. You see, he was ordering the battle. He was just deploying Paul. You see, in 1812, God deployed Adoniram, Adoniram Judson to Burma. In 1853, God deployed Hudson Taylor to China. And he's still deploying men today. You know, to go out over the world and fight the battles for souls, giving a hope to those who are in darkness. You know, Brother Randy Johnson told me about, uh, he told me about how he was serving in uh, Portugal, right, Richard? Portugal. And uh, he told me about the struggle he had, uh, about changing fields. And, uh, and then he heard a message, and, uh, and I believe he said the title of the message was, When God Changes the Game Plan. <laughs> you know, that like the captain of a team or the coach. When God changes the game plan. And told about how God moved him from Portugal to Okinawa, Japan to work with the military. Now that was not his plan. But see, he's a soldier. But thank God he was a good soldier and he was listening to the captain. And when the captain says, man, it's time to move from Portugal to Hokinawa, he said, yes, sir. You know, he surrendered. And that's what we ought to do. Well, I'd like to read to you the words of this song that we, we have in our songbook, a call for, lo for loyal soldiers comes to one and all. Soldiers for the conflict, will you heed the call? Will you answer quickly? Will you, with a ready cheer, will you be enlisted as a volunteer? He calls you for he loves you with a heart most kind. He was heart was broken, broken for mankind. Now, just now, he calls you, calls in accents clear. Will you be enlisted as a volunteer? When the war is over and the victory won, when the true and faithful gather one by one, he will crown with glory all would there appear. Will you be enlisted, enlisted as a volunteer? I'd like to close with this. And trust Jesus with your soul. And trust him with your soul. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. Uh, you don't know if, if, if what happened to Emmanuel happened to you today. You don't know where you will be. And uh, this morning what I've tried to do is to persuade you that you can trust him. Amen. That he is qualified, he is able, and he is appointed to save you. He is able to save to the uttermost all that come by faith through him. And so this morning... I like to urge you and trust Jesus with your soul. You don't want to gamble with your soul. Yes, that's right. That's right. And trust Jesus with your soul. Secondly, stay close to him. 
You know, how are you close to Jesus? You see, unless you have the line of communications open, you'll be lost in the battle. You'll get wounded. You'll get confused. And maybe that's why where you are today. Maybe you're not praying as you used to pray. See? Maybe you're not reading the scriptures as you used to read the scriptures. Maybe the reason you're confused is because you're not coming to church as you used to come to church because the church is the only unit that Christ has to fight his battle. He fights his battle on earth through the church. And so stay close to him. And maybe this morning you've been drifting away from, from the Lord. Maybe you just need to come back to him. Get back to where he used to be. Get back in church. Get back to reading your Bible. Get back to prayer. And thirdly, I'd like to urge you to submit to him. And there may be someone this morning here, you know, God is, God is nudging, you know, knocking on your door and say, I want, I want to deploy you. I want to send you somewhere. And maybe you're fighting with the Spirit of God. You, you, you're wrestling with the Spirit of God. I want to trust you, uh, to, 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 to urge you to submit to him. And maybe you say, well, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how I'm going to live. I, I'm, I'm concerned about what I'm going to eat. Well, who feeds the soldier? Yeah. Yeah, right. Have you ever seen a soldier enlist in the army and worrying about what he's going to eat on the field? Right. He, he doesn't worry. Why? Because he has a captain. See, it's, it's up to the job, to the general, to take care of the soldiers. And our Lord, when he sends you, he provides for you. And so, in fact, I like to say that if you wonder if God is calling you, I think he already has. <laughs> because the people he hasn't called to be on a mission, they don't worry about those kind of stuff. You know, they come to church, they serve, and they're just, they're just happy. So... They don't worry, you know, they sing songs, they see, you know, presentation, they're excited for the missionaries, and they just, you know, it's wonderful. And they give to mission and all these things. But if you're wondering, I believe he's already spoken to you, and you're just fighting against him. And so this morning, just submit to him, just surrender to him. Let's stand on our feet, if you will, let's stand on our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed.